hello welcome to autism and outer space this is elise and uh, today i thought i would talk a little bit about what it's like to quote unquote not be autistic enough in other people's eyes so as in you know people saying you don't look autistic um yeah, that's it's a very um I feel like for 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 certain people, uh, myself included, it's it's a struggle sometimes. Um <clears throat> I came across um a meme, I guess it's called <laughs> on the Facebook um, page, I've been autistic all along, question mark. (laughs) Um, if you're not following them, I would highly recommend it. Um, and I'm just kind of scrolling through the, um, I'm just kind of scrolling through the comments. Um, I'm not going to mention any names or anything if I, if I read some of these comments, um, or talk about them, but, um, But yeah, but I think I will read some of the actual comments. Just, I'll just leave them anonymous. But um, one person says their official diagnosis is ASD, no support needs. (laughs) Uh, um, One person says uh, their kiddo is, they've been told their kiddo isn't autistic enough to even do the testing. Uh, that's what I worry about for my one of my children. Um, ugh. Yeah, it's it's a hard thing. Um, it's. I think it's one of the things that keeps me from disclosing um, that I'm autistic to certain family members or friends or whatever. Um, and you know, there's, there's a couple of people in my life, a handful of people in my life that I can't really ever picture myself disclosing to simply because I've masked so strongly, I guess, (laughs) like a lot um, around them. And I don't know, I think there's a part of myself that feels embarrassed about that. Uh, I feel like if I came out to them, they would think that I'm just making it up that I'm autistic. Um, like I said, because I've just, I've masked so much around them But you know what's interesting, though? When I look back and think about somebody that I've masked a lot around, (laughs) I I feel like, and and I know, I even noticed this before I was, before I realized I was autistic, I, um, I would feel like I was so different around them day to day, or, well, like, most of these people I don't see every day, but every time I would, um see somebody that I mask would mask a lot around and I and I would mask especially before my diagnosis I would mask 
around to some extent around most people, even family. Um, but certain people I would kind of mask extra around. But anyway, going back to what I was going to say, <laughs> uh, I, I've, I've noticed more and more my ADHD moments, my ADHD tan- tangents, but you know, we'll, we'll go with it. It's okay to be, um, it's okay to go down little tangents. It's just part of being neurodivergent. It's part of, part of who I am. So it's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so going back to what I was going to say, um, about acting different, feeling like I act different every time I'm around certain people. Um, I noticed that even before my diagnosis, um, and it was definitely one of the things that made me feel ashamed of myself. And one, one of the things that I felt like was a personality flaw, a uh, part of my personality that just was not good. Part of me that was just like not good at being a person. Um, if I was feeling like I, like my, I guess I didn't have the words for this back then, but, uh, before I realized I was autistic, if I had a lot of spoons that day, like if I hadn't used up a lot of my quote unquote spoons, and when I say spoons, I'm, I'm referring to the spoon theory. So you can Google that if you're not sure what I'm talking about, um, but if I had a lot of spoons, um, I would, especially at first, if I got together with this, with one of these people, I would be very energetic. Um, I would appear outgoing, um, smiling a lot, talkative, joking. Um, I would be able to really wear the mask that I wanted to wear and and be the quote unquote neurotypical person that I wanted to be, that I uh, was trying to work on being. Um, because my, I definitely, I definitely had this ideal person in my mind that I was striving to be, that I was um, purposely working towards being, um, and I would sort of like, I would sort of like even rate myself, you know, after social interactions and be like, okay, I did this, this, and this right. Um, so I need to make sure to keep doing that, you know, kind of like take a catalog of like how I did, I would like sort of rate myself and not even consciously, like it was, it was semi, semi subconscious, (laughs) if that's even a term. (laughs) Um, like, I guess, I I guess I was aware of it, but it was just so automatic. It's something that I've done for so long. Um, or I would go through and be like, okay, that was awkward. Why did you say that? Um, you know, you, uh, were very quiet and didn't know what to say. When you did talk, you just seemed very, maybe like grumpy or you seemed, you know, you, and, and maybe I did feel grumpy. I mean, that's not uncommon for me when I'm overstimulated. Um, and especially when I'm overstimulated and like not realizing it, I tend to be like, I tend to be snappy. Now that I've become more aware of when I'm overstimulated, I can, instead of just standing 
like forcing myself to be in the situation and like kind of snapping at people and being really grumpy because I don't want to be there. I'll, I've been, I've been, I've gotten a lot better of being mindful of that and being like, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of stimulated. It's, it's okay for me to walk away and, you know, go in the bathroom and, and just have some quiet time or, you know, go in another room and have some quiet time or whatever, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, so I would, I would rate myself and I would notice that from interaction to interaction, I was different. Um, like I said, one day, if I had a lot of spoons, I might be, um, very animated and I would be that ideal quote unquote neurotypical person. Um, and then on other days, uh, I would really struggle to socialize. Um, it felt, it would feel very forced. Um, I would just kind of not know what to say. I would, I would, in my mind, before I knew I was autistic, on those days, I felt like I was boring, um, that I didn't have a personality, just very, like, um, not interesting, boring, um, not having much to say, which would, which made, which I felt made me a bad, like, social partner, you know, I'm supposed to be, for example, um, I'm, I guess in my mind right now, I'm thinking about, um, like being at a play date, uh, and talking to the mom that I'm at the play date with while our kids play. Um, you know, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be providing social interaction for that mom. Um, and so I would try to, be I would try really really hard to be the mom friend that this other mom you know probably wanted um and so therefore you know not be boring keep the conversation going um you know force myself to make eye contact you know and a lot of times when I'm at a play date, well, not as much now, but, um, especially when my daughter was younger, um, I'd go to play dates and just be so tired because she, she was a very poor sleeper the first like three years of her life. Um, once she turned three that we reached, we definitely reached a turning point. Whereas with my son, it was the same deal, not good, not good sleep until he turned two. So when he turned two, it was his turning, turning point. So with my daughter, that last year felt like forever. <laughs> I think because I kind of expected her sleep to get better at age two, just like my sons did. And when it didn't and it la and the sleep issues lasted for a whole nother year and were, and I felt like as she got older, they, they would get worse or maybe just, I would get more burned out. I don't know which, maybe a little of both. Um, it just, uh, that was hard. Um, and it made, like I said, it made play dates really hard. Um, but I mean, even before, even before kids, this up and down masking, um, was part was part of my life so it's definitely been something I've always experienced I can re even remember I can remember this happening back in college I can remember it happening back in high school I felt like I was a different person 
depending on how many spoons I had. Um, and like I said, I would like myself better on the days that I had more spoons and was able to act quote unquote more neurotypical as opposed to the days that I had less spoons and I was struggling to mask um, because those are the days when I was really quiet. Um, and like I said, I felt boring because I wasn't as smiley, didn't have as much to say, didn't really know what to say. Um, because that kind of, I mean, that makes sense. The less spoons I have and like the more maybe overwhelmed or overstimulated I'm feeling, um, during the social interaction, the less I'm going to want to interact, the the more I'm going to want to just kind of not talk and, and keep things quieter and, and just do what I feel like doing and not what everybody else is doing. Um, yeah, I... I I guess I'm just remembering like a lot of a lot of forced, very forced social interaction. Um Yeah, when I when I was in high school and college, I think what I think what would have helped me, like if I had known I was autistic, it would have I would have been able to like I would have been able to schedule my social interactions accordingly so that they weren't happening when I was like already feeling burned out. I could have I could have been like, okay, um I'm going to be you know, going to classes all day. You know, like say high school or college. I'm going to be going to classes all day. That's a whole day of social interaction. Um, so I could have scheduled some breaks. Like I could have been like, okay, during lunchtime, I'm going to, I mean, ideally if this, if I had been diagnosed like in school, I could have had lunchtime maybe by myself. Like maybe a teacher would have let me use their classroom or something like that. And I could have had that alone time and that would have helped me recharge so that I could finish out the day. And you know, both high school and college, especially later high school. So in high school, I played tennis. So and that was just a season like it wasn't um, it wasn't the entire year. But that was after school, you know, practices after school, like every day. Um, and so my day was extended. So it wasn't even just the school day. Um, it would you know, I'd have to stay after school. I also did a lot of like music type stuff, like private lessons and orchestra. And I enjoyed those things. Um, they were definitely things I wanted to do, but it was really hard. So I, it would have been amazing to be able to schedule recharge time, um, somehow. Uh, and if somebody like invited me over to their house to hang out or invited me to do something, um, I could have maybe scheduled that on a different day. Um, like I could have, like right now, I try to have one day of the weekend to have like nothing to do. Um, like nothing scheduled because when I don't have that, it throws me off a lot. Um, so I could have, 
I could have said like, okay, friend plans, plans with friends, you know, are going to like, I'll just try to keep those on Saturday afternoons. That way I have the morning. Um, and that way I have the evening, but maybe we'll hang out on Saturday afternoon. And then Sunday I get the whole day to recharge so that I'm ready for the week. Um, and I could have just like stuck to that and just been like, you know, told friends like that's, if you want to see me, that's like the time to see me. Um, unfortunately, excuse me, (laughs) unfortunately I, I remember, uh, especially with one friend in particular, they would take it very personally if I declined hanging out. And I, I was very motivated to keep that person, um, happy with me. I was a huge people pleaser for that person because they were my main friend and sort of like my only connection to having friends. Um, which is another thing that I was ashamed of. Um, that was something I knew was true, but like didn't really want to admit that this person was like my friend lifeline. They were my connection to the rest of my friend slash acquaintance group. Um, and if I lost that person, I wouldn't have anybody to cling to. And if I had clung to somebody besides that person, I know that it would have looked weird because... I knew that I wasn't like close enough, quote unquote. Um, that's probably what I would have done though, just out of like n- a need for, a need to have somebody, you know. Um, I, I would have, I, I needed, I absolutely needed somebody um, to cling to in school. I don't, I wouldn't have gotten through school without somebody to like mirror. Um, I probably would have ended up starting to refuse going to school. Um, and then that would have been a problem. Maybe it would have led to getting some support though. <laughs> Cause I think that's one of the reasons why I, I never received support was because I just, I appeared to be, I was able to hold up that appearance of, of getting through it. Um, you know, people knew I was quiet, that I was shy, quote unquote. Um, but nobody really knew why I was that way. Um, I think if if somebody had delved into, you know, why is she timid? Why is she shy? Um, you know, and, and learned about the social difficulties and anxiety that was behind that and the reason for that. Um, like I wasn't just shy because I felt like being shy or I don't know, like, you know what I wonder? Okay. I'm, I'm going off another ADHD tangent. Um, what I wonder is, are there neurotypical people that are shy and that's just their personality? Like there's no reason for them to be shy. Like they're not anxious. They're not, I mean, doesn't shyness have something like anxiety behind it? I can't really picture I guess I can't really picture somebody that's neurotypical and just they just happen to be shy. That just it just that's really confusing to me. <laughs> because my because the only experience of being shy that I have is mine. So 
I can't, it's really hard for me to think of like any other reason that somebody would be shy. Huh. (laughs) I guess it's possible to, to be neurotypical and sort of just feel a little bit timid in new situations and then warm up really quickly. I guess I have met people like that now that I think about it. I don't know what their inner experience is, but I think I have met people where, you know, I first start talking to them or or see them interacting in, in a, a new environment and they're a little bit shy at first, but then they quickly, very quickly warm up. And I've, I've met kids like that too, I think. Um, like kids that I've, I don't know, babysat or interacted f- with for one reason or another. Um, but... Yeah. And and I guess my like new situations, my my anxiety and discomfort is much, much higher than once I've gotten used to gotten used to something. But um, but especially the social difficulties are a lot more pervasive. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud now, but um. Yeah, so random tangents about masking and <laughs> and not quote-unquote looking autistic. Um, but yeah, I'm curious if other people have experienced that where, um, where their whole lives they've masked so much around uh, friends and, and maybe family too. But for me, this is mo- this, I noticed this more so with friends where... Uh, where, like I said, I'm like, I feel like I'm different each time. Like I'm a different person um, because it depends on my level of spoons as to, you know, like how close I am to that that unattainable <laughs> perception of being neurotypical. That like that image in my mind of of who I'm trying to be like, you know, of, of who I I think I think I like took qualities of myself that I felt like I could uh, create um, and just put all those, like, you know, what what kind of person, what what kind of reactions, what what were the best rea- what were the best qualities that I got the best reactions to? Like, you know, if I was funny, I got a lot of good reaction to that. Um, I also seem to got, get more good reactions if I kind of played it off to be like the um I don't know how to describe this the the friend that kind of needed somebody to be like a big brother or sister to them um because I think I just naturally came across as naive um, I remember people needing to explain <laughs> things to me a lot, um, like, uh, I don't know, like jokes or prob- probably sarcasm. Um, you know, I would take things, and I still do this, obviously, but take things like very literally where the person's like, no, that's not what I meant. They kind of have to explain it. And it kind of comes across like I'm acting childish you know, um, and I guess just as, as a quick example, um, cause this is where my mind's going as, you know, for an example for this is that 
Um, we keep a container of coffee grounds next to our, um, we use, <laughs> I, I don't want to get too much into a tangent on this, but we use an AeroPress, not like a coffee pot. If you want to Google AeroPress, go ahead. <laughs> it makes really good coffee. Um, but we keep a container of coffee grounds next to that. And um, my husband wanted to know what kind of coffee was in there because we like to try different different coffees from like a lo- local uh, coffee roaster. And so he said, you know, what what's what is in this container? Um, he didn't say what uh, what kind of coffee is in this container. He just said, what is in this container? And I said, coffee. <laughs> and he was like, well, duh. But I'm thinking to myself, but you asked me what was in the container. <laughs> and, like, and I, I answered like without even like thinking twice. Um, but you know, something like that where I, where somebody might ask a question and I take it very literally and give a very obvious answer like that. And they're like, Oh, she's so cute. <laughs> no, this is what I meant. Um, and so that was another sort of personality mask that I could, um, I could easily, uh, I could easily use because that one, that one came a little bit naturally (laughs) for me since, um, since it wasn't too hard for me to act naive or, um, or like I didn't understand things sometimes because I didn't. Um, and people thought that was cute and funny. Um, or at least that's the vibe I got from, from people. So that was kind of, those were some, that was, that was a lot of like what my, my aim was, was to be the kind of innocent, cute, funny, um, maybe a little like ditzy, like, like, like an airhead a little bit. Um, that was sort of, that was sort of my mask. Um, which is just, I feel like is so different than, than who I, I mean, that was, I felt like that was easy for me to, to act like that because, because like I said, it was kind of a lot, some of those traits were just kind of natural for me. Um, but I feel like I am so like for who I truly am is so different. I feel like from that, um, I do like to be funny. I do like to be silly. Um, I love to, I love to come up with like witty jokes, <laughs> um, that I find humorous. Sometimes, sometimes my humor is a little quirky. Sometimes people are like, don't think something's quite as amusing as I do. <laughs> um, I feel like my husband understands my humor. Um, and that's one of the reasons we, uh, get along so well. Um, but yeah, I feel like who I was or who I was trying to be back then is so different than who I am now. Um, but that mask worked really well for me. The only thing is, as I was talking about before to bring it back to that, um, is that it was, it was hard for me to, to maintain that, um, on days that I didn't have much, many, um, spoons, I would get very quiet, kind of grumpy, you know, just kind of want to be left alone, but forcing myself to, uh, to continue socializing, even when I didn't feel like it. 
Um, and that was really exhausting. So, so anyway, um, my husband and kids are back from, um, being out. So I'm going to get going, um, since my alone time slash quiet time is over now. (laughs) So, oh, and that's my cat. If you can hear him, I'm not sure. Um, thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.